It's time for Off the Clock with Dean Kuchar, the only podcast that brings you business brand conversations with phenomenal guests, as well as the kind of fun and games that you have come to expect from the Off the Clock events right here in our Swigert Hall home. Join host Dr. Gene Kuchar each month as he connects with three guests about topics of interest in business that complement what's happening in the classroom and in the field. Now get ready for Off the Clock with Dean Kuchar, brought to you by the Norm Brodsky College of Business at Rider University, right here on 1077 The Bronx, the 2023 winner of the IBS Media Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. Welcome to Off the Clock with me, Dean Gene Kuchar. One of the things that means the most to us is preparing our students for careers that will be rewarding and fulfilling and lucrative. We know from research, from our employers, and from experience that there are a set of skills that help professionals thrive in their careers. They've been known as soft skills and most recently, durable career skills. Competencies like communication, problem solving, project management, collaboration, and critical thinking, as well as the commitment to inclusion, ethics, adaptability, and a learning mindset. We understand that a majority of the most requested skills of professionals falls into this category. These skills are requested almost five times as much as hard skills uh, on the job market. And leadership and communication specifically are listed among the most in-demand skills. On today's episode of Off the Clock, we'll explore why these durable competencies are so important for career success and how committed we are at Ryder and in the Brodsky College to develop them in our students. I'm joined by our Executive Director of Career Development and Success, Kim Barbrick, a student who I know is learning and succeeding, Giuseppe Scordato, and an alum and talent management expert, Jessica Riley. Our next guest is Kim Barbrick. She joined Ryder as the Executive Director of Career Development and Success in September 2015. Prior to Ryder, Kim was the Director of Career and Leadership Development at the Columbia University School of Social Work and managed a leadership development program in the Talent Development Department at American Express. Kim earned a Master's in Education, Human Development, and Psychology from the Harvard Graduate School of Education. In Career Development and Success, Kim leads a team that helps our Ryder Bronx explore their career interests, secure impressive hands-on experience, and develop the kind of job search skills, and yes, durable career skills, that lead to their success. Here's the interview with Kim Barbaric. Kim Barbaric, thank you so much for being here on this episode of Off the Clock. Uh, since this episode is about durable career skills, I could think of nobody better to interview. Let's talk about that. This term durable career skills, uh, what do we mean by that? And why is it important for us at Ryder to be focused on them? Thanks so much, Gene. I'm really thrilled to be here today. And I think when we hear the word durable professional skills, we think what was commonly referred to as soft skills or transferable skills. And those are skills that transfer across all different professional fields regardless of what area you're in. So whether you're going into accounting or marketing or human resources or something else uh, beyond that, these skills will be put to good use and they're really important no matter what job or profession you go into. Yeah, there was something about the term soft skills that felt like it was you know, less than or they're not hard when of course some of them are very difficult. Can you give us some 
examples of what those competencies are? Yes. And I think that's a great point. Uh, I think they were commonly referred to as soft skills, but it made them sound just like you said, less than. And in fact, they're probably sometimes often more important than those harder skills. Um, but those skills include communication skills, critical thinking skills, leadership, teamwork, um, understanding equity and inclusion, having a grasp on technology. And I would say maybe one of the most important ones is just professionalism, knowing how to comport yourself in the professional realm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, do you think of them as being important in terms of securing a job primarily? Or do you think of them as the kind of skills, I guess, you know, I'm kind of answering the question, unfortunately, here, but the kind of skills uh, that are as much as much about succeeding or thriving in a job once you get it or being promoted or how does that work out for you? I think they're very important in both uh, realms. So in securing a job, I think employers look for them during the interview process. They often ask pointed questions, behavioral questions to kind of get at whether the candidate has these skills or understands what these skills are. But once you are in the job, and we know this from our own, you know, professional life, they're so important for not only getting ahead and kind of proving yourself, um, but also for developing relationships, for reaching your goals, for uh, making a difference in the job that you're in. And, and I think as you grow professionally, you get better at these skills and they probably become even more important. Do you think that companies are good at both parts? Do you think that they're good at that assessment? You talked about how maybe through behavioral interviews or other types of assessment techniques, you know, they try to, they try to detect and measure in their candidates, whether they've got these or not. You know, but if they are important for progressing in a career, um, you would also think that that firms, that companies should be developing them along the way. Do you think that firms are good at not only detecting, but measuring and coaching and helping them throughout their career? I think that firms are probably better at sussing them out in the beginning to see yeah. if, a, if a student or recent graduate has those skills. But I would say once you're in the job and you're young and you're starting a new job, sometimes you don't always work on developing those skills because there isn't the opportunity. Um, and that's why we always encourage writer students when we're talking about career to remind them that once they are in a job, they should be asking about professional development. And part of that professional development should be working on these skills so that you are honing them and becoming better at them and you're able to use them to make your work better. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about some trends in the world of work right now. You know, when people are working from home a lot more or they're working hybrids schedules. But then also, maybe the workplace is becoming a little bit less people-oriented or personal because of AI or the or automation. Can you comment on the role that these competencies play today, you know, in a very timely way versus how they've always been part of the world of work? Yeah, sure. Um, I would say that they're just as important whether you're sitting in an office or you're at home working remotely. Having strong communication skills, both written and verbal, it may be even more important when you're not seeing people face-to-face -face mm -hmm. and you're doing a lot of meetings via Zoom or, or even on the phone. I also think the critical thinking skills can be really important when you're working from home because you are left a little to your own devices to um, move your work along. You're 
your yeah. schedule is a little bit up to yourself. So it's important for you to be able to think critically, um, to problem solve, to be flexible and to build sort of your own schedule when you're not sitting in an office with your boss around the corner. So it may be that they're even more important um, than, th than they are when you're actually in, in an office or sitting, you know, in a cubicle within an organization's headquarters. And as far as AI goes, I'm still learning a lot about what this means in the workplace. Yeah. I do know that there are a lot of new platforms coming along that are helping students build resumes and cover letters and, and professional documents. And I think all of this can be really great, but I think there's a lot to be said for that human touch to things. And when students are writing cover letters or they're doing their resumes, that it accurately really reflects who they are and that their voice kind of comes through, uh, for lack of a better word, in those cover letters. So an employer can really get a sense of who they are. So even though AI, I think is going to be helpful in a lot of realms, I think there's a lot to be said for maybe not relying on it completely to move our ourselves ahead professionally. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I think that, you know, everything that that I'm hearing, it seems like these kind of competencies around leadership and communication and adaptability, you know, added all of it seems more important now than ever. And yes, not being face to face or, you know, in an office, there's also a lot of communication and building an impression that takes place in between those physical interpersonal interactions. So it's kind of the kind of thing you can never take your eyes off of. It's always part of your behavior and your relationships at work. How about in terms of developing, think about our students who might be listening. Are there ways that right now as students, they can be practicing and honing, developing these skills? Definitely, uh, Jean. I think that um, the career planning courses within the college, uh, the Norm Brodsky College of Business, are excellent for not only teaching students about these skills, but how to go about developing them. I also think, obviously, internships, co-ops, any other kind of engaged learning experience is going to help you build these competencies. That's why Rider places such an importance on them and makes them um, required for graduation. There's no better way than, you know, doing these um, activities that or experiences that connect to your classroom learnings to build these durable skills. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I kind of feel like engaged learning is made for this. It's a great way to apply and uh, apply these competencies in a context. You know, I was going to ask you, what do you think Ryder does really well when it comes to developing uh, career skills? I happen to think that your office career development and success is a real strength at Ryder. Are there things that you think that we do well or things that you think in this day and age we should be doing even better? I think that Ryder does a, a really great job at preparing students professionally. And I, I appreciate the compliment about my office, but I also think that the faculty and the staff within each of the colleges have such access our students have such access to them that it makes a huge difference. I, I hear students say all the time, oh, I talked to Dean Kutcher and he told me this or he advised me on this. You don't hear that at huge universities. You don't hear students saying, oh, I talked to the dean of the college about my career. That makes a huge difference in uh, not only educating, but giving them the confidence to kind of move ahead and feel like they can reach their goals. So I think that's really what makes Ryder special. It's that human connection and that human touch. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself, so I won't add to it. I'll say thank you so much, Kim, for joining on the podcast. Um, I appreciate it. And this is just a note to everyone who's listening that the Career Development and Success Office is, is here for you to help plan every element and every aspect of your 
career. So you will see Kim again. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much, Gene. See you soon. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock podcast only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7thebronc.com. The Off the Clock podcast on 107.7 The Bronx is underwritten by the Norm Brodsky College of Business. Are you tired of always studying in the same places and find yourself looking for a change of scenery? Well, there's no better way than to go study in a whole new country. The Office of International Education offers study abroad programs in over 30 countries with options for every major. Maybe you want to spend a whole semester in Greece or 10 days on a faculty-led trip to Costa Rica with other Ryder students. You could even do an internship internationally. Studying abroad lets you travel the world and make it count towards your degree. Feels like a no-brainer to me. Go to studyabroad at rider.edu to find the best change of scenery you'll ever experience. And we're back to Off the Clock with Dean Kuchar here on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year. Our student guest is rising senior Giuseppe Scordato, a human resource management and finance double major. On campus, Giuseppe is a brother of Delta Sigma Pi, Riders Professional Business Fraternity, and a member of Darstock, Riders Executive Skill Building Organization, as well as HRMA, uh, the Leadership Development Program, Circle K, Real Life for Life, and Men's Soccer. He has held a talent management internship at Witham and will have a finance co-op at Johnson & Johnson this summer. Giuseppe was a member of the J&J case competition team that won first place nationally in spring of 2022. Here's the interview with Giuseppe. Giuseppe Scordato, I'm very happy that you're joining me here on the podcast. Thank you for finding time to be a guest. Thanks so much for having me. So you know that on this episode, we're talking about durable career skills or transportable skills, soft skills. What are some of the things that you think of when I use those terms, Giuseppe? So when I like go into internships and go into different co-ops, like I have a co-op at Johnson Johnson coming up. I worked at with them. Something that they focused on a lot was leadership, communication. Because uh, when I worked at with them, I worked with an HR. So yeah. when they're looking at specific candidates, they want to make sure that you're going to be a good leader, make sure you're able to communicate with the people of the company. Like, for example, when I was working there, I was able to extend my internship to be a part of the diversity, equity, inclusion team. Okay. And while I was there, I led different like CSR initiatives to try to input opportunities into a new software we had. And then I was actually put on the list for the point of contacts for the whole entire company. And it's a company of around 2000 employees. So I would have people like messaging me day in, day out because we have different time zones too. So I would get messages sometimes at like eight o'clock at night asking like, how do I work the software? What do I do? I don't have to answer people. Being in that position, I learned that these skills are something that I kind of had to hone in on and kind of build as time went on to be able to communicate both effectively and in a way that would be received well. So that's kind of what I think when I think of like durable skills is communication and leadership specifically. Yeah, and they must have trusted you in order to place that, give you that much you know, responsibility and that kind of thing. What do you think as you were building your reputation there, as you were making an impression, what are some of the things that you put some time and effort into um, that you think engendered, you know, that kind of trust, that kind of, you know, impression? So as an intern, obviously they don't know who they're hiring really. You just have like an interview and then you're just put into the job. So to make a good impression, I did things such as taking initiative to go and ask questions, to make sure I understand projects. Mm. Like the way I built trust was 
speak about the software that we're building. It was actually a new software that we're implementing. Like I was able to see the testing period, like before it was even put out to the whole entire company. So I was able to see how the coding worked behind the scenes. And there was actually a problem within the coding that they didn't know what happened, like something messed up. And from that, I took the initiative to like dissect the code, look at it line by line, see where it mm. differed. And then from that, I was able to actually find the differences and then fix it without them having to even ask. So it's like taking the initiative to be able to do things is what helps build trust because it shows you want to be there. It shows how much you care about the company. And like yeah. that, in my opinion, is what builds rapport with people. Yeah, that's a great that's a great example. So we're talking about leadership. We're talking about communication, but also looking for opportunities, almost thinking like a manager or owner to find out where there are problems that can be solved, where you can add value. You know, when you think about some of those properties, have there been role models like these internships that you've had already? Have you been able to identify, oh, here's someone who's successful and here are some of the communication or leadership or problem solving, you know, skills they have? Has that been, has that been part of your experience so far? Absolutely. There was this one manager, I'll, I'll speak about the internship again. When I went into it, I was obviously nervous because I hadn't been a part of any other internship. I didn't had like a professional job. I hadn't been in any corporate setting. So it was a hard transition, but this one manager specifically, the way that they talked to me and the way they gave me projects to do and weren't on top of me about things, they allowed me to flourish. They allowed me to find myself. And they were also just a humble person because the way that they defined success to me, they one time said, I define success as the amount of people you bring up with you, not the amount of money in my bank account. I use this quote time in and time out all the time, but it's something that I think is really good to live by because it's important to build people when you're along your own path, because the people that you're building, they might be working for you someday. And it's important to build relationships. I love that you're getting all of these lessons so you know early in, in your career. It sounds to me like you've really internalized them. So congratulations so far on that success. You know, tell me a, a little bit more about these skills. I'm sure some of these are are inherent. Some of these are just part of your personality, right? Part of part of your instincts. But do you think that these are the kind of things you can practice and hone or develop, or are these are the kind of things that you're you're born with? If you can do them, great. So I don't think anything is inherent. Like obviously everybody is born with a different skill set and you are set at a point, but that doesn't mean you can't build upon them. So I believe to a certain extent where you're put is inherent, but then you can always build upon it. So if like, for example, I know that I had, I was blessed with being able to have pretty good like communication skills, but I've been able to develop it by talking to people, trying to understand people's perspectives. I know working in DE&I allowed me to see a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different cultures coming and working together. And it's important to listen to people whenever they're talking, because you can learn a lot more from other people and experiences they've had than you can just going like cruising along your own path. Like something that I like to do is obviously learn from my own mistakes, but learn from the mistakes of others. So that way you can prevent that from happening in the future. Yeah, that's, those are the best kind of mistakes to learn from when you don't have to suffer, but you still get to learn, right? Yeah. Um, so tell me, and you know what I like you just said too, in terms of, because communication skills, we sometimes talk about it like one thing, but really there's so much, communication skills are so rich, there's so much within there. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy that you just highlighted listening, you know, as a component skill under that communication skills. Can you tell me anything more about ways that you are deliberate and effortful, the ways that you practice communication because we communicate all the time right and so we do it but there's something different about learning as we're doing it how how are you able to to learn and develop and practice when it comes to communication skills so as you said listening is a big part of communication 
And active listening is more important in any aspect of communication, in my opinion, because if you're able to internalize the needs of people and hear what they're trying to say to you, then you'll be able to fulfill their needs or fulfill their requests. You can say you're listening, but if you're not actually putting the effort in to hear what the person's trying to say, then it, it's a moot point. Like it, it makes no sense. So that's why I think communication is all about listening because it's listening, internalizing, and then bring it to the forefront of what you're doing later that'll actually have an impact on the people that you've talked to. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit. I happen to know a little bit of background because you and I are working together within Darstock, which is a mm -hmm. program, you know, here at Ryder. Um, and, and I think these are these kind of career skills are what we develop and listening and communicating is a big part of it. Can you share with the listeners a little bit about like role plays, for example, as one method for practicing your listening and communication? Yeah. So in Darstock, we do things called role plays and we're given pieces of paper and we are given the role of either a manager or an employee. So you can be a difficult manager if you want, where you're trying to give the employee a hard time. And that puts the person, the employee's perspective to try to be patient, to try to communicate effectively and try to get their point across, but not being too abrasive. And then the manager is still pushing, 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 but it's really beneficial when the manager is being difficult because it teaches you how to be like cool, calm and collected because once you bring emotions into conversations, it is elevated to a different degree and people start to argue and people start to yell. And that's when the conversation becomes ineffective. If you're able to keep yourself like cool, then you'll be able to get across your points more. You'll be able to articulate a little bit better because when you're angry, you're just going to be trying to yell and then prove a point, but you're not going to be listening to the person. Yeah. So it teaches you not only how to communicate, but also listen. And we say it time and time again, Listening is very important because that's how you're able to communicate effectively because you understand what the other person is saying and where they're coming from. And then you understand what to say next because you know what they're thinking. Yeah, good point. And, you know, the, we, when we do this, we break into groups of three and that third person is the feedback provider. Mm -hmm. They're the observer who's taking notes and giving uh, giving feedback both to the manager about how well they're problem solving and managing, but also to the employee in terms of how well they're doing everything you're saying, Giuseppe, how well they're asserting themselves and how well they're listening and in the conversation. So, you know, the whole collection of these durable skills, communicating, listening, um, giving feedback is right up there, I think, and receiving mm -hmm. feedback well. It's something you do really well, Giuseppe, the, both, both parts of that. And anything about feedback and the role that you've even seen played out in terms of your developing as a student and as a professional so far, the role that feedback is. Thank you. And I do agree. Feedback is extremely important because if you don't understand what you're doing wrong, then how are you ever going to fix it? And you can only be self-aware to a certain extent before you're not able to really understand where you're going wrong. So I think that it is important to have people around you that will build you up. Like I said before, like people that are going to bring you up with them because you can get as far as you can by yourself, but your self-awareness there's a plateau at a certain point and you need somebody to be able to help you like along the journey. So I think it's important to give feedback and receive it, but as also be open to it. Cause if you're not open to it, you won't learn anything. Yeah. And, and also it's helpful to surround yourself as you do surround yourself with a network of people who want you to be successful and, um, and care enough to take the time out to give you the feedback and to share some of their mistakes and what they're learning. So um, congratulations on all the success so far. I think with the skills we're talking about on this episode are part of the, are part of what's going to make you successful in your career. And I appreciate that you joined us on the podcast today to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be right back with the off the clock podcast only on 1077, the Bronx and 1077, the
The Off the Clock podcast on 1077 The Bronx is underwritten by the Norm Brodsky College of Business. Are you tired of always studying in the same places and find yourself looking for a change of scenery? Well, there's no better way than to go study in a whole new country. The Office of International Education offers study abroad programs in over 30 countries with options for every major. Maybe you want to spend a whole semester in Greece or 10 days on a faculty-led trip to Costa Rica with other rider students. You could even do an internship internationally. Studying abroad lets you travel the world and make it count towards your degree. Feels like a no-brainer to me. Go to studyabroad at rider.edu to find the best change of scenery you'll ever experience. And we're back to Off the Clock with Dean Kuchar here on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com. Proudly nominated for 2019 and 2021 National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for College Radio Station of the Year. Today's alumni guest is Jessica Riley, a 2006 Ryder graduate with a double major in management and organization and HR management. While at Ryder, Jessica was a member of Darstock, Ryder's executive skill building organization, and remains an active Darstock alum, including serving on our board of trustees. With over 15 years of recruiting and sourcing experience in the biotech and pharmaceutical space, she is now leading the talent management function at Talus Biomedical, the point of care diagnostic testing company. Here's the interview with Jessica Riley. Jessica Riley, I'm so happy to have you here on the Off the Clock podcast. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So you know that we're talking here about durable career skills, which, you know, I also I also think of terms like transportable skills or the old classic soft skills. When I mention those, what do you think of? What what comes to mind? I, I think of the tricky skills that you can't just master from reading a textbook or watching TikTok videos. These are skills that are really developed and, and honed over time and, and sometimes don't come as naturally to people. Skills like communication, critical thinking, creativity and collaboration or teamwork, even adaptability and tenacity or time management, conflict resolution, problem solving, clearly the list goes on and on. Yeah. Can you pick one of them that you think maybe is, in your opinion, maybe one of the most important and dive down a little bit and tell us, you know, why you think that makes so much of a difference in the workplace. Sure. It's definitely hard to pick just one because I think so many of them are important, but I think really communication skills because it goes so far above and beyond just being able to speak good English, but being able to articulate yourself in a truly clear and concise manner isn't as easy as it seems. And being able to excel in this area is gonna one, lead just to more successful interviews to help people land the job in the first place in terms of career, but it's also going to help them really stand out when speaking with managers or leaders or other colleagues down the road. So yeah, just being able to really get your thoughts across well and clearly is super important. So and I know you spent you spent a lot of your career in that recruiting space and you just mentioned the importance of communication in interviews. Can you talk a little bit more? I don't know, maybe you could think of someone or an example of when someone has really succeeded in getting a job or based on on communication skills or something in that realm of these career skills we're discussing today. Yeah, and more often than not, I think it's 
the soft skills that come across even more important than the technical skills because they are harder to be taught. And managers can frequently teach somebody a technical skill that might be lacking. And they're always expecting a learning curve with even really highly trained employees and even more so with new employees or or more entry-level employees coming in or recent grads. But they'll shy away from people that are lacking with soft skills because they don't know necessarily how to train and develop them as well or as easily. I also see it all the time as people progress in their careers in terms of being promoted. The justifications from managers on promotions come down to excelling in soft skills and being good problem solvers or solutions oriented Areas like that really excel people throughout their careers, not just early in their careers, too. Now, these days, when we talk about things like artificial intelligence, because, I mean, that's what is, uh, that's what's getting so much attention. Or even when we talk about remote work, when people might be uh, working a lot more privately at home and not interacting with people at first glance, you know, can you talk at all about the role that some of these skills play or don't play maybe in today's work world? Absolutely. And I think that these are great questions and very relevant, especially in this post-COVID world too. In terms of AI, it might be easy to replace some technical work components with AI, but the soft skills, that's still where the value is proven with the human component. So excelling in this transferable skill area are going to really help people be less replaceable, so to speak, to AI. And in terms of remote work, this is a huge trend coming out of COVID, whether it still be the opportunity to work fully remote or in a hybrid setup. And in terms of interviewing, candidates now not only need to be prepared for the possibility of in-person interviews, but also phone and Zoom or team interviews which make it a lot more challenging to make a strong personal connection and make it harder to develop rapport with interviewers. Mm -hmm. So being able to master those soft skills and still be able to get connections across is really important. And then you transfer that into working in a remote environment and it still becomes a lot trickier because then the struggle becomes networking and being able to be connected or intertwined with other parts of the business or with leadership that you might not interact with on a daily basis on Zoom or team calls. You're not crossing them in the hallway when you're going to get a cup of coffee or having those types of connections that way. So I think it's really important to take advantage of any opportunity to either travel to the office or get involved with team building events that your company might have, happy hours, even if they're done virtually, or volunteering for different subcommittees and opportunities to lead teams or help be a presenter on projects, because that's going to go the extra mile to get you visibility with people from other departments. And lastly, and I can't say it enough, it's so easy just to turn your camera or your video off on team calls, but keep the lights on still come to work presentable, at least from the top half up, and then just don't walk away from your computer and get the cup of coffee and they can see in your boxer shorts. But having Mm -hmm. the camera on and being able to make those connections in a more impactful and tangible way are still really important. Those are some great points. And, you know, to me, it sounds like 
the, some of these skills we're talking about are more important than ever. So it is making the most of those, even if your interactions with other human beings is a little bit more limited, like let's say for the remote worker, the opportunity you do have to communicate, those skills become even more important or that, uh, that skill of adaptability, regardless of the method or the communication mechanism, all of those skills just, they just look a little bit different, but they're as important as ever. Now, I know that you have made some moves in your career, have have been advanced in your career. So I'd like to talk a little bit about how the soft skills has worked into your career. How has that been something that you've uh, worked with in order to make moves and be successful? My goodness, I don't think we have enough time for all of that, but I'll, I'll try to keep this brief and prove my own clear and concise communication ability. I would describe myself as being an extroverted introvert. So really putting myself out there proactively, it doesn't come overly natural to me. Because of that, though, and recognizing that I've been very deliberate and conscious to really be an active listener and then speak with purpose and intent, which has really lended itself well to having people really take notice and and take to heart the things that I say. I also find myself to be very organized, and that has allowed me to manage timelines and priorities effectively, which has been really valuable, especially I'm working in a startup environment where there's always a lot of projects going on simultaneously. So being able to multitask and manage those priorities and mastering those soft skills with things like that um, have really helped me. And I must be doing something right because they keep giving me more stuff to do. More stuff to do. That's right. Yeah, very good. You know, you started this interview by talking about these are not the skills uh, or these are the skills that you have to learn over time. Can you give any advice to young professionals, budding professionals, future professionals about what they could do to really develop and work on these skills and practice them and hone them? Yeah, absolutely. You can learn about them from reading a book or watching videos, but to develop them comes with practice and authentic interaction. This will likely be uncomfortable at times and will push you outside your comfort zone, but true growth really doesn't come without that. So my recommendation is to network, join clubs, organizations, volunteer, and just interact with people, whether that be through physical meetups or virtually on LinkedIn or other social media platforms that you align with, just to give you an opportunity to collaborate with others. To put it simply, put the cell phone down and, and go out into the world and just engage because it's better to stumble now and learn from those setbacks. That way you're comfortable and confident when it really counts. Really good advice. Uh, we could probably have a whole episode just with your advice to students about getting a job, about uh, proving themselves in the workplace. So we'll have to invite you back to a future episode because today's interview is over. Thank you so much, Jessica, for being a guest. Thank you so much, Gene. It was great. And we'll be right back with the Off the Clock podcast only on 107.7 The Bronx and 107.7thebronc.com. The Off the Clock podcast on 107.7 The Bronx is underwritten by the Norm Brodsky College of Business. Are you tired of always studying in the same places and find yourself looking for a change of scenery? Well, there's no better way than to go study in a whole new country. The Office of International Education offers study abroad programs in over 30 countries with options for every major. Maybe you want to spend a whole semester in Greece or 10 days on a faculty-led trip to Costa Rica with other rider students. You could even do an internship internationally. Studying abroad lets you travel the world and make it count towards your degree. Feels like a no-brainer to me. Go to studyabroad at rider.edu to find the best change of scenery you'll ever experience. 
Welcome back to Off the Clock. I'm joined now by Charles Ray and our episode guests and members of the Off the Clock team for what is my favorite part of every episode, Game Time. Yes, and to remind everyone listening, our three guests are each playing today's Game Time segment on behalf of students randomly drawn from our social media network. Ken, tell us who you're playing for today. Sorry, I'm playing to win for Bridget Teal. All right, and just... Who are you playing for? I'm trying to win some swag for Zach Fernandez. All right, and Giuseppe, how about you, sir? I'm going to win for me and Angela Blake. Well, you seem all confident, but only one of you will emerge victorious. So let's get started. Thank you, contestants. As usual, we have two fun games to play. Our first game recognizes that what we used to call soft skills has been rebranded to what we now call durable skills. The fact is that perfecting these skills is not easy or soft at all. And that unlike technical skills, which may come and go with respect to performance, this set of skills last the tests of time. They are durable, even hard. That's right, Gene, which is why our first game is called Soft or Durable. Now, in this game, each contestant will have three items within the same category that differ with respect to how soft or how hard they are. We will read you three objects, and the contestant must arrange those objects from the most soft object to the most durable object. You will earn five points for the fully correct order. If you do not get the full correct order, you can still earn two points for correctly pacing the most soft or the most durable item in the lineup. Kim. You're up first. Say cheese. Our first list comes from the world of cheese. Please place these three cheese types from the most soft to the most durable. Gouda, Brie, Pecorino. Okay, Kim. So the most soft to the most durable, the three options are Gouda, Brie, and Pecorino. I would say starting with the softest, Brie, then Gouda, then Pecorino. That's right. That is right. When we arrange cheese by softness, we're referring to the moisture content here. Like you said, brie would be the softest, gouda being medium hard, and pecorino being among the most hard cheeses. Very well done, Kim. Thank you. Excellent job, Kim. I did not know that. Giuseppe, you're up next. Giuseppe. How would you arrange these types of woods from the most soft to the most durable? Maple, cherry, balsa. What was the last one? Balsa. That would be balsa wood. Balsa. All right. Um, I believe that the most soft would be maple, then balsa, then cherry. Okay. So listen to the, I'm going to give you the full explanation here. Janka, J-A-N-K-A, hardness ratings, indicate resistance to denting and measures the force required to embed a 0.44 inch steel ball halfway through a wood sample. Balsa, which is used for things like buoys, surfboards, and toys, is actually the softest with a 300 Newton's Janka rating. Cherry is around 950, and hard maple is much harder at 1450 and commonly used in flooring, cabinetry, and furniture. And don't even get me started on the exotic hardwoods of South America. It just goes up from there up to 4,000 plus. So you learn something on off the clock, but haven't earned something on off the clock yet, Giuseppe. 
Wow, I just learned a lot about wood. All right, so Jessica, it's now your turn. Rock on, Jessica. How would you arrange these musical artists from the softest rock to the hardest rock? Aerosmith, Air Supply, The Police. Thank you. I was feeling good after Kim's question and then super nervous after Giuseppe's, so. His was kind of hard. In order of softest to hardest, I will go with Air Supply, The Police, and then Aerosmith. That is right. Woo! That is right. We don't have any metrics or measurements to cite here. You kind of just know it when you hear it. And you're right, Air Supply, The Police, uh, and then Aerosmith. Correct. So if we can review the scores, Charles, am I right in that we have a five to five tie at the moment? Absolutely, that is correct between Kim and Jessica. Both of them have five points. And Giuseppe, listen, we still have another round, so don't give up hope just yet. Moving on to our second games, perhaps you've heard about the open letter recently signed by artificial intelligence and tech industry leaders warning about the existential threat of AI. The letter is quoted as saying, mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemics and nuclear war. But on the brighter side, it inspired our next game where we have some fun with the anthropomorphism of robots. Charles, please explain. All right, Dean. So the skills we talk about in this episode are so important, in part because they are known to be uniquely human. AI cannot engage in critical thinking. It does not have emotions and cannot empathize or can it. Each contestant will be posed a question about robots from pop culture who have in fact demonstrated emotion. If you can answer the question with a free response, you will earn six points. If you get that incorrect, or if you would rather, we can give you three multiple choices. A correct answer in that case will earn you three points. Giuseppe, my friend, you are up first. The titular robot from this animated film displays a range of emotions, including curiosity, loneliness, love, and determination. And he also forms a deep emotional connection with another robot named Eve. What is the name of this movie? Is the movie named Wally? You got it. It's Wally for six points, which puts you at the front of the leaderboard, Giuseppe. I knew you had it in you. <laughs> All right, Jessica, the pressure's on. You're up next. This iconic droid from the Star Wars franchise often showcases emotions such as worry, fear, and anxiety. Its constant fretting and nervousness contribute to its comedic personality, but also reflect emotional responses to the events around it and genuine friendship with its counterpart, R2-D2. Of course, I was thinking of R2-D2 first. It's not right. And remember, if you need options, that can bring you to three-point max instead of a six-point max. C-3PO? You got it. You got it. C-3PO is correct. Good job. All right. So now, Kim, last but not least, you're up next. Okay. While the cyborgs in this movie series are primarily known for their ruthless efficiency, there are instances where they display subtle emotions. In the second installment of the series, the T-800, played by a famous former governor of California, 
develops a sense of empathy, and even sheds a tear. What movie series is this? Blade Runner? So it's a good guess, but it's not the right answer. <laughs> so you can still get some points from this one if we go to the options, multiple choice questions, Liz. Okay. Give me the options A, Robocop, B, Terminator, or C, Star Trek? Terminator? It is Terminator. So three points then. That's good. And we didn't even have to go into Vicky from Small Wonder or Rosie from the Jetsons. Uh, we were able to, to have a nice clean ending there. And you should know that these items were written by ChatGPT for oh, really? this game. Go. Nice. Go figure. So if I can announce the winner here, I think, then that would be Jessica. Jessica, congratulations. You just prevailed uh, with 11 points. Congratulations on that. Oh, Remind us who you just won for, please. I just won for Zach Fernandez. Oh, Zach Fernandez, wonderful. Uh, he'll be happy to receive the swag, as will you. And all three of you, you've been wonderful sports. Thank you so much for playing and being part of the Off the Clock podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A very sincere thank you to my three guests, plus the members of our Off the Clock team, and of course, you for listening. Please know that all of us in the Brodsky College and everyone in the Office of Career Development and Success are here on the clock to ensure that we're developing students with an attention to those skill sets that we know will lead to success in securing a job and then thriving in the workplace. And we will be here off the clock to talk about it. Thank you for listening. Keep on learning. Thank you for joining us for the Off the Clock podcast here on 1077 The Bronx, the 2023 winner of the IBS Media Award for Best College Radio Station of the Year. Special thanks to our host, Dr. Gene Kucher, our production staff, Jim Wister, Trisha Adams, and Liz Carrion, and everyone at the all-new digital broadcast studios of 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronc.com, including the incomparable John Moses. This is your OTC announcer, Charles Ray, saying, see you next time when we can get together off the clock.